You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today... Wow, oh wow, what a weekend it was for the Pacers. Only one game. They beat the Jazz. They somehow sweep Utah this season. Utah top three team in the West, maybe a top five team in the league. Pacers sweep them, no problem. Uh, despite their terrible season, that will remain one of the many flummoxing things about the Pacers this season. They beat the Jazz. That's like not even a story. I'll talk a little bit about the game, but not really because Sabonis has a career-high scoring night by a pretty large amount, like seven points. Lance Stevenson has a career-high assists game and is contributing in a major way, pushing on the doors of being a rotation guy when the whole team is playing. And there's reports that the Pacers will resign Lance for the rest of the season, as if logic didn't already dictate that after two career games for him. So I'll talk about all that today. The game, the, the Sabonis, Lance, more Lance. Let's start with Sabonis, though. And I'm only going to talk about the game under the crux of two career nights happening in the same game. Pacers win by 10 or 12. I don't even remember. I know that they're plus two now in plus minus this season, the Pacers are. Despite being under 500 by 10 games, they've outscored their opponents in total points this season. One of the weirdest seasons ever. But what was not weird was how good Sabonis played against the Jazz this weekend. It was easily the best game I've seen from him in the scoring department. 22 shots. He makes 18 of them. He made his first 10 shots of the game. It was the most shots he's taken in a game this season by three, right? They were just feeding him. And I asked him after the game, hey, yo. Is there a moment you kind of were like, wow, I'm feeling it. I should keep going. He's like, nope, just kind of played my game. Let the ball come to me. Played the way I want to play. My teammates did a good job setting me up and they could tear through them. And, you know, the lead being buried here is Rudy Gobert was out, who's done a good job defending Simonis his whole career. But that, you know, Hassan Whiteside's been a good defender in his lifetime in the NBA. And Simonis still punked him. And Simonis has played against Smalls before and not scored 40-something, 42 to be exact points in a game. So regardless of who was in or out, easily his best offensive performance of the season. He finishes 18 for 22. So even after starting 10 for 10, makes eight of his next 12 shots. And in the second half, they were sending, the Jazz were sending double teams his way like crazy. And he only finished with three assists, but a ton of hockey assists, a ton of potential assists as he guided the Pacers in a substantial way. Pacers beat Utah by 12 with Sabonis on the court. The Pacers were plus 13, right? He was that important in a game like this in that everything they did, they could play through him. And they were getting good action from him no matter who he was paired with. Kiefer Sykes, Lance, Jeremy Lamb a few times, whatever the ball handling action was, Sabonis was involved in it. He was just unbelievable scoring. And I love games like this where he can just, you know, he wasn't super effective on the glass, although that was a lot of because neither team was really missing a ton, ironically. Um, only six rebounds, but still just, just you know, no go bear. Man, Whiteside was on him, but these games where the, the guy defending Sabonis specifically is just not a particularly good post defender. He's a good defender, but not a good post defender are my favorite for him because even if he's not like dominating the stats here or anything, he can still control the game because doubles are required more often or he can shake free for some easy free throws and stuff like that and he did that all that against this Utah team. It was so easy for him to get to the line. You know, he took he took uh excuse me, he took four free throws in this game. Uh, that's actually less than I thought when I said that. But he, you know, just spinning around guys, drawing doubles like crazy. He made quick decisions, hitting cutters out of those doubles as well. Uh, it was really impressive for him, and, and there's a reason that that Carlisle kept turning to him. He played 37, almost 38 minutes in this game. It was just a dominant performance. And after the game, we didn't get to talk about him a ton because Lance became the story, and he will be in the next segment. But 
Lance was a big part of Domas's story as well. So I'm kind of combining this into one thing here. But we have talked, and by we I mean me and several others really, but on this show I have talked about for years that Savonis, one of his best skills that isn't really stat measurable too much is that he's one of, if not the best screeners in the NBA. He is so good at getting his body onto the defender and actually making contact in a way that lets the ball handler get open or get a small advantage or just makes the defense has to react in some way, right? If you don't set make contact with your screen, the defense can easily switch or just slide over. It's like it didn't even happen. If you're not a good role man, you can set a good screen and free up the guard, but then they can just switch it back or they're ready with a weak side defender. There are a lot of ways to recover from that. If you're a good role man and a good screener, then having a good ball handler who can make decisions in the pick and roll, all of a sudden you can make those two-on-one situations that force recoveries and create open shooters and things like that. And Sabonis has been that guy this season, still that great screener, still that great role man, but they haven't had as much success this season because guys who can get Sabonis the ball in those favorable situations, TJ McConnell hasn't played with him as much as in years past, especially because he's missed over a month now, right? We talked about that on a podcast with Mark Schindler last month. They've missed his pick and roll setup wizardry, McConnell's specifically. Brogdon and Karras, uh, you know, Karras was better at this last year, but have not been as good at getting him the ball in those positions. And some of it's that they're mixing in Turner screens a little bit more. Some of it's just the interchangeability of Carlisle's offense doesn't dictate it as much. There's a lot of reasons for it, but there haven't been as many opportunities for guys to just hammer screen after screen after screen with Savonis and then find him on the roll running towards the basket. Lance comes into this game for the Pacers and, and joins the rotation. And he has, in two games, made, I think, more pocket passes than we've seen from several other guys this season, and I'll talk about Lance's pocket passing skills specifically when I talk more about Lance. But you know, those are hard passes. There, there's you know, there's a reason it's a skill for guys to be really good at them in the NBA. But with Sabonis in particular, because he can make decisions on the move, right? He's not one of those bigs that can pass that has to catch and stop and kind of assess or catch and stop and then throw the pass. Even if it's quick, he still stops and a defender can stop. He can catch on the move a little bit, get some dunks. He had a dunk in this Jazz game. I think he had two dunks in the Jazz game that he caught on the move like that. We've seen him push in transition. We know he can be effective on the move. So when he can get a good pocket pass, he can really make something happen. And Lance had one no-look one that was really flashy, but a lot of really solid uh, pocket passes between the roll man and the recovering guy who was screened. Bam. Now all of a sudden, Sabonis either is between his man in the basket, between the switched onto him man at the basket, or is at least to the side of his man in a way that if he takes a dribble, he will force someone to move and something else will be there. That was something the Pacers did better in this game than probably any other game all season. Sykes himself is okay at these passes too. And so with those two guys in tandem at the guard positions, the Pacers were getting more there. That just allowed Sabonis to be the guy he can be. And, you know, they haven't had that opportunity to do that as much with, you know, the way they've been playing with other guys in and out of the lineup or even before Lance and Sabonis really harnessed their chemistry. But that's certainly a big part of it. And they both acknowledge that after the game, right? Sabonis and Lance played together before uh, and not even just on the same team. Like they both brought this up when they were on the team together in 2017-18. That was Sabonis' last year with the second unit, and that was conveniently where Lance played. They weren't on the same team. They were in the same lineup all the time. And if you'll remember, a big topic of and big discussion point for the success of that Pacers team that almost knocked out the Cavs in the first round was their bench was electric. And Lance was definitely not as good that year as he's been in the last two games, of course. But he does have good chemistry with Domas. They've played well together. They've succeeded together and been a part of some successful Pacers teams. So right away, they get slammed into the lineup a few more times and you know, they, they didn't know each other quite as well right away. It took Lance a little bit of time to catch up and, and all that stuff. But 
once they got their chemistry going, that really helps Sabonis be awesome in this game. But it wasn't just Lance. Everybody was getting Sabonis the ball in the right places. He acknowledged that himself. Um, and, and his screens were good. He made three threes. Like all the stuff that contributes to his own success, making the jumpers, doing the passes, things like that. He did all that as well. Uh, but but Lance was a big part of, of getting him the ball in those advantageous positions that, that he can thrive in. And then another part of it is post-entry passes, something that I've talked about the Pacers really thinking at this year. A lot of guys who played in this Pacers-Jazz game seem to be a little better than that than the guys that are typically playing for the Pacers, which is ironic because those guys are better passers and creators in general. But I mean, we said Kiefer Sykes throwing some good post-entry passes since he joined the rotation. Dwayne Washington very continues to impress me. He's thrown some good post-entries. Obviously, Lance has. Lamb threw a couple of them in this game, ironically. This was actually Jeremy Lamb. Uh, over half his points were free throws against the Jazz, but he played a quietly very good game. Carlisle called that after the game. Uh, he didn't shoot too much, uh, but he was a big plus in this game, at least in terms of the stats and, and his impact on the game. He played quite a bit more in his first game back from uh, the health and safety protocol. So credit to him. He was a big part of Sabonis' success as well. Pretty much everybody was. So he was uh, Sabonis was excellent career night for him, well-deserved. I mean, he was just – he couldn't miss – from anywhere, including the threes, he was setting up his teammates well. He was freeing up guards as well, like a lot of decent scoring nights from those guards, right? Obviously, Lance himself with 16. Dwayne has 16. Justin Holiday wiggled free around some Sabonis screens for some three-pointers. He had 15. Chris Duarte in his first game back fin- finishes with nine as well. Like a lot of guards were able to get good looks because of the screen Sabonis was setting, and he himself was able to dominate Utah because, of course, he had 42 points and he couldn't miss. Full credit to him. Best offensive output game of his career, and maybe just in general the best game of his career. And there could be more of these. Lance is still on the team uh, tonight against Boston. Still will be on the last day of his 10-day hardship deal. And I'll talk about the contract stuff at the end. But Lance Stevenson has had a wonderful most recent two games. He's been the story of this team, frankly. Uh, And I want to talk about his career night that he had against the Jazz in the passing department, what his teammates are saying about him, what Rick Carlisle is saying about him. And then in the end, we'll talk about the future of him and his contract with the team. But first, let's talk about the good folks over at Built Bar because Built Bar is making the best tasting protein bars ever. And I'm not just saying that. I mean it. I've had tons of listeners of this show tell me that they love them. They taste like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar, and they make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it unlike other protein bars that can be chalky or waxy, or tastes like a chemical spill. They're just gross. But Bilt Bars are not like that. They're delicious. There's a ton of awesome flavors. I love the peanut butter brownie. I love the mint chocolate. And they're all really healthy as well. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar with twice as many calories, way more sugar, and dozens of net carbs. you got to try Bilt Bar yourself. Go to Bilt.com. When you check out, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order every single time you use that code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. Come. Thank you for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today. For your second listen, let's go check out Locked On Celtics. Get the Pacers opponent preview for the next two games. They've got the Celtics on consecutive games, one in Boston, one at home. I was going to do a Boston preview for today's show, but had to pivot because of the game that the Pacers had against the Jazz with two career nights with some records for guys sweeping Utah. It merited a different change of pace for the show. And also YouTube watchers, thanks for watching there, as you can see. Quite the new setup for me as I redid my guest room and got a new webcam. So things actually look good on this end for once. Lance Stevenson, obviously 20-point first quarter in his first game back in Cambridge, finishes with 30. Insane game. Deserved all the praise for that. And everything that I have been critical of Lance up for so long is not happening in the last two games. And that's 
huge. I mean, even I think he has deserved a rotation spot if he keeps playing like this. You know, the first two games weren't as good. The last two have been unbelievable. And then against the Jazz this weekend, after scoring 30, his career high in a Pacers uniform and scoring 20 and a quarter and being huge against the Nets, he just casually goes out and sets a new career high in assists. In assists, something his old career high was with the Hornets, ironically. He had 13 for Charlotte back in January of 2015. He had 14 for the Pacers in this game. It's not a coincidence that it goes in tandem with a big Sabonis night because, like I said last segment, those two talk about their chemistry and how important it is. And Lance himself was like, yeah, Sabonis' screens are are so good at getting me open, especially because I'm good at going downhill. If he sets a good screen and I'm attacking downhill, help has to come. I can get him the ball. All this stuff is so important. And also his pocket passes are once again a big part of the success. And I just talked about the, the, the secret to them and why they're so important. And Carlisle talked about how you know, with pocket passes, if you don't get hit the guy on the run or it's too far to either side, it's not really that helpful for the big. They have to reach for it or slow down or speed up. It doesn't, it's not a, it, it breaks the whole rhythm of the pick and roll, right? So it's a game of inches on these pocket passes, even the ones that, you know, Brogdon and Lavert and McConnell and other guys have thrown all season that hasn't been as effective. That's been part of the problem is accuracy. But this time, Lance, Lance was killing it. I mean, that, that was, I think the, the, that, this was his best second half and com- most complete game, more so than his 30 point game with the Pacers so far because he just kept finding those passes to Domas absolutely perfectly. Nailed the game of inches part of it. Carlisle gave him a ton of credit for that. And I think, you know, this is not an energy thing for Lance's time. Usually when he's playing or helping the Pacers win, it's just like, oh, he's providing this energy that's kind of boosting his teammates. And, and, you know, that's the part of him that fans love, but that's actually the part of him that leads to success. This time, for me at least, I understand that I view him differently than other people, but he's actually playing like unbelievably well, obviously shooting an obscenely good percentage his last two games at 19 for 31 and having 20 assists in that span is going to look awesome. But I mean, he is just dictating the offense and the Pacers for all of time have been better than any other franchise at finding the right role for him being more point guardy than off Bali, like all these other groups have had. So it was just an incredible passing night for Lance with his 14 assists. By the way, looking at his assists since joining the Pacers, he has 24 assists in four games since joining the Pacers, 14 of them to Sabonis over half of his assists so far with Domas. Like, it doesn't take a brainiac to realize how important those two have been for each other and, and improving the Pacers' offense in that way. That has led to 29 points those 14 assists have. It's been very impressive the way that those two were working together, but that wasn't the only thing Lance was doing well. Like what he's Something else he's he's got the reads of is when he comes around to screen and he can already tell the defense is cheating in to stop Domas on the roll, and that happened a lot in the second half of this game. He could find the spray-out passes to the shooter in the opposite corner or the guy relocating from the corner. He got those reads down and part of his success passing the ball, right? You go through his assists by game since joining the Pacers. Three in the first one, two in the second one, five in the third, 14 in the fourth. A very obvious growth pattern from game to game there. He said the first two games, he didn't know the plays. He just didn't know the plays. So now that he knows the plays and kind of understands the timing, I think that has been a big part of his passing effectiveness going way up is that once he realizes who he's on the court with and where they're going to be and what their strengths are, like him and Dwayne Washington fit really well together because he can beam it over to Dwayne in the opposite corner for some open threes. That happened at least two times, maybe three against Utah. He found Kiefer right by him for an easy bucket a few times, right? Like he understands his teammates a little better. Now that he's played with them, he understands the plays. He can he can really get them going. He was magical in that way in this game. And of course, he's also being Lance. Like I, obviously, the stuff that he does that everybody loves that even I have acknowledged in the past that is something he can do that not a lot of other guys can do is provide an energy level and a spark that is just really hard to find. And 
look, it's a word that I never thought I'd hear Carlisle use in this way, but he said, Lance has changed the vibe of this team, right? Lance Stevenson has changed the vibe of the Pacers. He comes in. Everyone in the locker room is already talking about, like, I've heard of this. Like, the guys who have never played with him before. Duarte said, like, yeah, I'd heard of him before, but to see it up close is just totally different, right? Like, he just he just changes the interactions. He changes the way that guys communicate. He changes the feeling of these players. A lot of guys are having, you know, just a, a little more smiles every so often. Like, he does that. You saw the bench in the fourth quarter of this game against the Jazz. If you saw it, all the bench guys were just up and smiling, and there's a great picture of O'Shea Brissett just, like, randomly hugging Dwayne Washington after a nice bucket, like, they're just excited. It's just excited. It's a vibe change that this team desperately needed. They weren't vanilla or anything. You know, they were evolving and getting a little better at times throughout the season. But during the six-game losing streak, that that kind of oomph and and excitement on the bench and even on the court at times was not there as much. And Lance has certainly reignited that part into this team and into the fan base. And Rick Carlisle saying that. I mean, that that has to mean something when your coach even acknowledges, hey, look how good it is that we have the right energy now. We have the right guys going around so huge lance passing game and that doesn't even like that kind of sells short what he did i mean like like domas who was plus 13 and 12 point win lance was plus 14 he was really good with the bench he had six rebounds all defensive uh some nice steals jumping passing lanes sorry not some four steals jumping passing lanes utah's offense is pretty complicated he did a good job rooting some steals away from the play hit seven of his 12 shots right he has been doing extremely well getting to to the rim all the way to the rim, and, and that's something that the Pacers have had trouble with a lot this season is they have a lot of guys who get like five feet from the rim and pull up, especially the vert, but a little bit even frogged in this season. Lance has been getting all the way to the rim and finishing there. He's had, you know, not not the best success in, in his past uh, in the league at being like an awesome rim finisher, but with the Pacers so far from zero to three feet, uh, he is shooting 83.3% at the rim, which is just unbelievable. For reference, his last season with the Pacers in 2017-18, 62.3% at the rim, right? So he's been ridiculous there. Uh, hasn't missed a shot from 3 to 10 feet with the Pacers yet. Drawing his long twos, like unsustainably good shooting for him so far. Obviously, I think even he would admit that. But the passing's legit. The way he's able to set up the offense has been obviously super legit. And the, and the drives are just such a big thing, right? 7.3 per game. That doesn't even sound like that much in only 22.7 minutes, right? The only that's that's fourth on the team as of now, uh, and, the, and some of the guys ahead of him, Levert plays eight more minutes per game, but drives twice as much, and Brogdon drives ten times more per game in twelve more minutes. And those two guys are the best at attacking the rim on the Pacers. But Lance has done better at getting all the way to the rim. His field goal percentage on drives is like twenty percent higher than both Levert and Brogdon, and he's done a very good job making his drives effective. But like he already drives more per game than guys like Chris Duarte do and Jeremy Lamb, right? Guys that you need to drive a little more. Lance is coming in and providing that oomph, and that is allowing him to, you know, be a good finisher and score a lot. And again, I think his I don't want to be the 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 guy who's like, pump the brakes, everybody, because he's been amazing and and rightfully deserves a lot of praise for the way he's playing and 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 guiding the Pacers to more success. But you know, his his percentages might drop a little, but for now, even if he can get to these spots more often, even if they don't keep going in, that will change the way that the Pacers are defended. That will allow Sabonis to be better in the pick and roll and grab more offensive rebounds, right? Just stuff that's going to help the team because he gets all the way to the rim or he's a threat to do so is really important. They've put him in the right lineups to be successful by putting the ball in his hand. And what they're doing too is, and I'll be curious how this shakes out for Lance later on because the other guards available right now with a bunch of other guys out are Kiefer Sykes, who can shoot it, right? He's been a good three-point shooter since joining the team. He can play off ball a little bit. Dwayne Washington's been a guard for them. He can shoot it. And Jeremy Lamb 
has become a better shooter and can kind of shoot it. He's got guys around him who can be the shooters that spread the floor for those. Brogdon can, I think, a little bit. I think the the Levert-Lance fit will be a little clunky once that comes to fruition, but I'll use this to pivot into practice. We had saw Sunday, uh, no Karras back yet, no Goga back yet, and no TJ Warren out of health and safety protocols yet, and Justin Anderson is also still in. So I don't think any of those guys will be available versus Boston. Maybe they'll be in the return to play conditioning stage of of the COVID protocol recovery stuff. So, but I think that's what helped Lance too is having the right teammates on the floor with him. And Justin shot it very well uh, against Utah. You know, some of that's Lance's passing and some of that is him making threes, allowing Lance to be a better passer and get all the way to the rim. It was just a magnificent game for me. He's had two unbelievable games in a row. And, you know, I, I didn't watch his first stint with the team very much. I was, you know, not as into the, the Pacers in the NBA coverage back then uh, in, in, when they made the conference finals. But, you know, not for my own time covering this team and, and living in the city. I think those were two of his best games with with this jersey on. So if he can keep this up, yeah, he's going to be on the team the rest of the season. I think that's already been determined. But what kind of role he has, what kind of deal he has, much will be determined going forward. Mark Stein already reporting the Pacers are looking to sign him the rest of the year. Let's talk about what the Pacers could do contractually, how it could impact him and his future with the team for the rest of this year and into next year and how the Pacers might try to navigate it with the trade deadline coming up and all this stuff. There's so much to get to. So let's do that. But first, let's talk about the great folks over at betonline.ag who would like to wish you a happy new betting year as they continue the march to the playoffs and beyond for the Colts. Oof, not a good march to the playoffs and beyond. But BetOnline is still the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code we give you locked on, all one word, to get started. Football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, your favorite big casino games. BetOnline.ag has all that and more. Don't wait to take advantage of all their amazing offers available for 2022 Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. The murmurs and the rumblings are already happening, and and Mark Stein, uh, former of the New York Times, now doing his own Substack. I believe it is just called the Mark Stein Substack at this stage. Reporting earlier on Sunday that the Pacers will be trying to keep. Lance Stevenson for the rest of the season. The exact phrasing on his tweet is the Pacers are expected to keep Lance Stevenson for the rest of the season. Thanks to his very strong play in his third Indiana stint that is one admiration for Pacers head coach Rick Carlisle. Carlisle's loved Lance so far. He talked about talking to KP and learning a little bit about Lance before he joined the team, but he's still been, you know, better than anyone even imagined. Even probably Lance himself, honestly, is impressed with his own performances. So that's not a surprise, right? Good for, good for Mark to get the sourcing. But the other part of the sourcing is logic, that he's been amazing and they cut Keelan Martin a couple days ago. seems obvious that Lance is in the plans for the Pacers, at least for the rest of the season. And even I, historic Lance detractor, will admit that in a season of fan apathy and general sluggishness from a 15-25 and 25 team is the perfect time to sign a guy like Lance Stevenson. So this is the year to do it. This is the year for the reunion. And this is the time. So what can they do? How can this work out? What is this going to look like? for Lance the rest of the season. So it could be really simple. His hardship, its today. if you're listening on Monday the 10th, today is the last day of his hardship. He can play against Boston in Boston. After that, his hardship is over. And on the 11th, they can sign him to a new deal. So unfortunately, COVID is still ravaging the team. Kind of fortunately, though, for the Pacers is that they have four guys in protocol still. If that's still the case come Tuesday, 
if, if come Tuesday they still have at least two guys in protocols, which may not happen. Tory Craig has already returned, uh, and and a couple of those guys have been in protocols for a while. But it's possible they could sign Lance to another 10-day hardship deal. And, and the advantage to that for the pitchers, I'll explain this all, because I know a lot of fans just say, get it done, get it over with, don't do any dancing, just get Lance on this team for the rest of the year. That's easy. They can get him a minimum deal for the rest of the year. They could give him the rest of their mini MLE for the rest of the year. And I'll talk about the advantages of that later. But like, the, nothing is stopping the Pacers from doing that. They could just say, yep, here you go. The, the difference between the mini MLE and what they, and, uh, what they paid Tory Craig is about a million dollars. They could do that. No hard cap issues, no tax issues, nothing like that. Boom, done. Here you go. Here's your money. We got it. Right? That's totally plausible, and I'll talk about the pros of that later. But what they could do is on Tuesday, because they're allowed to, I think, if they still have a guy in COVID protocol, sign a replacement player, they could give Lance a 10-day hardship. That counts nothing against the cap for the Pacers at all. And then when that ends, assuming no one's in COVID protocols at that point, ideally, knock on wood, no one will be for this team, then they can sign him to an actual 10-day, a regular one, with the Keelan Martin open roster spot. And then they could do that again when that ends. That is three 10-days. That's 30 days. right? You can only normally sign a guy to two normal 10-days before you have to sign him for the rest of the season during, uh, during the season. But a hardship deal allows you to extend that timer. And the reason that's important is if they give him the next hardship on the 11th, that gets him through January 20th. And then if you give him the next normal 10-day on the 21st, that gets you to January 30th. And then you give him the final 10-day on the 31st of January. That gets you to February 9th. Why does that all matter? Good question, listener, because that is the trade deadline. If that all works out, what would work is if you waive a guy on a 10-day contract, I'm not saying the Pacers would lay a Lance to not have him on the team, but you can waive a guy on a 10-day. There's no waiver process. And then you can make a lopsided one-for-two trade and then just re-sign him and bring him back. Whereas if you've already signed him to a deal for the rest of the season and you waive him, you still have to pay him all the money on the deal and then re-add him for twice the money. It's very confusing. So I'll happily answer questions about this on Twitter. But from a talking perspective, that would be wonderful for the Pacers in that they could still have the flexibility they got from waving Keelan Martin last week, also have Lance on the team for every single game they play the rest of the season with no weirdness or anything like that, and still have the advantages around the trade deadline of, okay, yes, we can easily create space to do this, that, and the other. The downside to that is you know, you, if you're Lance, you have to trust the team that they're not going to F you if you start to stink and not sign you for the rest of the season, right? And Lance was out of the league for two years, right? He, he might not have a bunch of power in this situation. He's been incredible and reignited the fan base, so he probably has some leverage, but you know, he's out of the league for two years for a reason. They might be able to say, you know what? I, we want to do this. We want to help our team in that way. But the flip side is they could just say, screw it. You know, it, like if you're a fan and you don't listen to a podcast or read a lot of articles and they make a one for two trade, like let's say, I don't, I don't care who it is. They trade a player and they get two players back and it's a good trade for the Pacers. So they do it. But to make it happen, they would have to cut Lance off his 10-day and then re-sign him. They'd have to put the press release out that's like, Pacers wave Lance Stevenson, and all these fans would be like, oh, what the heck, this is so stupid, oh, F the Pacers, and blah, blah, blah. That kind of stuff does, even if it's minor and they sign him again in two days, it matters, and fans always think it sends a message that it doesn't send, but whatever. It's still something that matters in the long run, and it's confusing, so perhaps that is a reason to not do it. And they have the option of, just right now, the, uh, not right this second if you're listening Monday, but on Tuesday, Lance, here you go. Minimum contract, the rest of the season, fully guaranteed. Here's your money. You're on the team. Great job. You've been killing it for us. That's possible. That makes a lot of sense. And with a minimum deal, it can be up to two years in length. So they could do two fully guaranteed years at the minimum. They could do a guaranteed year at the minimum and non-guaranteed next year, maybe a team option, some 
foolery like that if they want to ha- keep their own flexibility. Or what they could do, <laughs> they have so many options. Tory Craig did not, I talked about this a second ago, did not get all of the mid-level exception. He got about a million short, a little less than that, I think, than the full mid-level exception for the Pacers. And because of the way prorated minimums work, Lance's minimum salary for the rest of the season is actually less than the amount in the prorated MLE for the Pacers. This is all very confusing in a lot of words. The short of it is, if the Pacers use the rest of their MLE, or not even all of it, just some of it to sign Lance, they can sign him to a three-year deal using that. They could guarantee his contract for the rest of the season using that portion of money, maybe non-guaranteed the last two years of the deal, so they get a lot of flexibility. They could have his bird rights on the back end. It's easier to extend him if you ever want to. He's in his 30s. Like This is a lot of forward-thinking stuff for a guy in his 30s. But still, he's been good, and you got to think about this kind of stuff. So that's an option that they yank out the mid-level to. You know, he'd actually get a little pay bump from that too because it's not prorated as early. They could add more years on the end. All these things are stuff that they could consider. And, and again, he was out of the league for two years. Like I understand Lance has the leverage of like you have literally reignited interest in our team. You've had two career games in a row. We, we're not going to let you walk. Like that, that He's got that leverage of like if you – hang me over a barrel with these 10 days like I will look elsewhere. Sure, and in that case, the Pacers should immediately pony up and pay him what he wants. But again, this guy was out of the league for like two seasons, basically. Like he paid in 2018-19 and then not for two years, right? There, ha- there has to be some level of leverage from the team that has kind of salvaged his career to the point that he will be in the league again for the rest of the season. So I'm assuming there will be some sort of happy medium from the Pacers and Lance, whether that is non-guarantees in future seasons or – that Lance says, yes, you can do the 10-day dance. That's fine. And the 10-day dance has a ton of value for the Pacers. I know it sounds annoying if you're a fan to hear them go, oh, they time to do a 10-day again. This is stupid. He's been great. Yes, but that allows the Pacers to do so much from a team-building perspective in terms of improving, in terms of having options, in terms of doing what they might want to do from a building perspective at the trade deadline. Having those options is valuable. So, yes, I even I, former Lance detractor, think it makes a lot of sense and the Pacers should sign Lance Stevenson for the rest of the season. It doesn't take a brain surgeon or rocket scientist or whatever to figure that out. How they do it is very intricate, and there's pros to basically every option, I would say. What I think happens is it's just a minimum deal guaranteed for the rest of the season. Uh, I just don't know when. I don't think they'll pull out the MLE for that. I think they might try to save it uh, for later in the season. You always want to save it as long as possible, and if you don't need it, you don't need it, but it never hurts to have it. So I bet that... They try to do the 10-day dance, but if he plays really well against Boston on Monday night or something like that, I bet that at some point between now and February 10th, Lance Stevenson signs a contract, a minimum contract for the rest of the season with a second year on it that has some sort of not fully guaranteed reasoning behind it, and that mostly being that he wasn't in the NBA for the last two years. But again, two career nights in a row, if he can keep that momentum going, there's no reason to fool around with with future seasons. Just, Just give him what you can. Figure the rest out later. It's not that much money in the long run if you have to get off of it. So a lot of options for the Pacers, a lot of options for Lance, and they both have enough leverage that I think that'll be possible for the parties to meet in the middle, especially because Lance likes playing in Indiana. He has a house here. He's always had a house here. His franchise is the one that made him, and he realizes that he's admitted that the jersey here in the in the court gives him powers, and you know, he has good synergy with Sabonis. That's the reason this game was so so impressive for both guys. So I think something will get done for sure. What it is, if it's full on, this helps the Pacers. I think it'll be three 10 days and then he signs for the rest of the year. If it's full on helps Lance, he gets like a little over the million of the MLE on like a three-year deal with a couple years guaranteed. 
We'll see what happens. I'm guessing that will be determined. At, if, if you see him sign another 10-day or a hardship 10-day, then I would assume that that will continue to happen until the deadline. And if you see him sign a two-year deal, then that that's fine. I, neither of them are bad for Stevenson or the Pacers. No one deserves criticism in either junction. But obviously, if you're a fan of the team, you would like the team to have the most options possible. But everyone's a fan of Lance these days. So if he keeps playing like this, he deserves the money and deserves to be on the team. If you've got questions about cap stuff because it's very confusing and I use a lot of words that you may never have heard before, you can follow me on Twitter at TEastMBA or this podcast at Lockdown Pages where we break down all this stuff. Thank you guys so much for listening or watching if you're on YouTube. Have a great day tomorrow. Talking Celtics, Pacers, what happened in that game, storylines from that game. Hope everybody has a great day and enjoys that game. And we will see you tomorrow.